Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, take my heart when you go, it's Arturo Zarita. I just, re- oh. man, you should have had one for Hereditary. I literally just realized we always do this at the beginning. <laughs> we always do this at the beginning as a little more creepy this week. It's in uh, theme. Yeah, no, I'm happy and excited to be here. You, you guys know who I am. Introduce our guest. Introduce a very special yeah, guest yeah. that we have today. Very special guest joining us from the Drum Dums YouTube channel. You may recognize him. Thanks for joining us. It's Lee McCoy. Say Woo! what up, Lee. Oh, guys, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Big fan of both your work. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm humbled. Glad to be here. Oh, man, we're really glad to have you on the on the podcast. We've uh, known Lee for a few years going back doing this YouTube thing, and he's he's got a great channel over on Drum Dumbs. Talks a lot about of about classic horror, modern mm-hmm. horror. If so you are a horror junkie, if you are into Hereditary, which we're mm-hmm. gonna get into a little bit later, we had uh, to get him. Lee is a good guy to go and subscribe to. So make sure you check out the link to his channel down below. In a little bit, we'll talk about how modern horror films differ from classic horror films as well as Hereditary and the stacked cast assembling for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But first, we're going to start the show the way we start every week here on Intercut. Guys, what you been watching? Should we do a quick little Hereditary catch-up? already catch know. Up? We've all seen it together. I'm curious because I have been talking about Sundance that I love it. I'm done talking. I'm parched, okay? I am like I am like a certain character in the movie. <laughs> My throat's just done. You two, I know nothing about if you guys have seen it. I, I've not checked your Twitters to see anything. I've been bombarded there, so I'm curious to know, did it live up to the hype that I've been saying for you guys? I mean, I've been a little scared to tweet anything about it, given just how, like, spoilery and bleak a lot of this is. Uh-huh. Uh, I... I thought it was phenomenal, uh, Lee. I, I'm curious Lee, to hear your reaction. Lee, Lee, the, What's the funny man is like I'm still percolating it. Like it, it, as yeah. soon as I saw perfect, it, that's I, what I, I need. Punched right in the gut, and then I, I, I don't know. I went through like an emotional change yeah. while watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have some little minor issues, which we'll get into. But uh, yeah, for sure. Over, I mean, it's a twenty-four, right? So right. overall, I, I was, I knew that I would come out of this changed, a changed man, <laughs> and I am. I'm a changed man. So yeah, it's definitely worth discussion. Lived up the hype for you? What's that? Lived up to the hype for you? I'd say yes. I, I love how this is like one of those movies, one of those horror movies. You don't go, did you like it? You go, are you okay? Yes? <laughs> yeah, oh, then no. great. Then you hated it. <laughs> if you come out normal, then that's not a good movie. Yeah, I mean, no, no, that's the I, thing that I've been really struck by is that, that even the people I've seen who don't necessarily think that this is like a great, great movie have been affected by it. They at least mm-hmm. think there's quality and craft there. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the things that... Uh, Ari Aster, I believe, is the director, is, is the doing boy. in yes. this film are just like undeniably unsettling and like oh, getting yeah. under your skin. Uh, it's it's very very great horror filmmaking. I'm excited to discuss it in more detail with both of you later in the show when we can mm-hmm. get into some of the gruesome spoilers. Uh, yeah, you have anything else on Hereditary? Or should we get into what else we've been seeing? I don't know, Lee. Have you been catching up on anything else? Here's the point. Literally, just if you have something. Well, I mean, just about Hereditary. I was gonna say. It, it is the one movie this year that you will need a hug after watching. One thousand percent. Yeah, I, I, and, and I definitely. That's the I felt away. worse in my body. <laughs> and when you give that hug, just go right close and go. Yep. <laughs> and completely mess it up oh, for them. And you might have to buy your soul back. <laughs> and you're gonna drive without your windows rolled down at any point for the rest of the summer. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. great movie. I'm glad I lived up to the hyper. I know we'll definitely get into spoilers. Oh yeah, later on. Looking forward to it. Lee, anything else he's been watching in the recent weeks? 
Well, I, you know what? I've been kind of, obs- you know, we had this new Halloween trailer that came out. So yes, I, talk about it, man. My what my uh, YouTube channel was kind of just engulfed in Halloween news and watching the trailer. I, I did a trailer reaction for the movie and I got mm-hmm. twenty thousand views in a Blew day, up. which is not normal. Ooh, in Drum it's Land, cool. Congrats, so, dude. Yeah, I've, I've been kind of consumed with that, and I haven't been able to watch too many movies. Um, I watched some old slashers though, like I watched um, House on Sorority Row. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I got this this uh, uh, Blu-ray. I can't remember the distribution company, but uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful cover, a beautiful slip cover and all that. But uh, it was nice to go back and visit one of those old slashers yeah. that I haven't seen in like ages. You know, I'm kind of I go through phases when it comes to horror and slasher genre. That's my favorite genre. And so yeah. lately, because of Halloween, I've been really digging into like a lot of those older deep cut type of slashers yeah, that like 80s style kind of slasher yeah even like 70s like you know like yeah. christmas uh some of the earlier ones that may might not get enough recognition even though black christmas does seem like in the past decade it's been getting a lot more recognition so yeah that's my palette though that's awesome cool. yeah yeah getting uh getting the palette cleansed and warmed up for halloween later this year oh, i know yeah, people are really excited about that trailer uh, there are a whole bunch of trailers that dropped. There was a, uh, the yeah, last a crazy week. amount. Yeah, I mean, we were running poll after poll after poll on the Instagram. I was sorry, not the Instagram, the Twitter. Twitter. Uh, you know that Widows trailer is out. The new Lego trailer is out. Uh, the new Damien Chazelle First Man trailer yeah. is out. Oh, I need to check that one out. Uh, Suspiria yeah. remake. Suspiria trailer is out too. Yeah. That was pretty. Da- I mean, speaking of unsettling, that last shot in that trailer. Pretty damn unsettling. So I, I wasn't looking forward to a Suspiria remake, but after I saw who was behind it, and then yeah. I, I finally saw the trailer, I was just like, "It's oh, got a very like day one. It's got a very like old fashioned quality to it." Well, too. it's Luca, yeah, it's Luca. Well, yeah. I do like that. You know, the uh, the original is just a really stylistic film. Like if mm-hmm. if you hear that word stylistic, and you have to throw out five movies, I'd probably say if you've seen Suspiria, Suspiria. you're going to throw yeah. it out there. It's just so. I mean, it's Dario Argento. So yeah. my big question for the remake was: Are they going to make this like? Are they going to copy that? Just imitate it? Yeah. Yeah, and it, they didn't do that at all. They kind of went in the other direction. Yeah. Whereas this movie looks older than the original there's <laughs> more grain in it and right. stuff <laughs> just take all the color out right now <laughs> this film burns happening halfway through the movie no but yeah there's a bunch of trailers i tried to not watch any i think the only one that i did see was first man just because it's like i already know it's a true story you know what i mean uh gotta be good looks, for your boy chazelle yeah and it looks good maybe it's because i saw it on my phone maybe it's like an interstellar type thing you watch it on your phone you're like eh. Well, I'm going to watch that just... one right after we get done with this podcast because, I mean, Whiplash is one of my favorite movies. So I can't, I can't believe I didn't even know about this. Wait, do you wait, You have a screening for this movie or what? No, 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 no. Bro, I was about to, <laughs> I was about to I say. I thought you had the early, early <laughs> look up. world premiere. Yeah, I actually have it on my computer right now. Yeah, Lee is the first man to see First Man. I was like, well, then. This man's getting distribution stuff <laughs> sent to him. Okay, then. But, uh, no, yeah, it's, it's interesting. A lot, of, a lot of good movies. We're, we're barely halfway through the year, man. It's barely June. The mm-hmm. Barely Wednesday. June. There's another one that's uh, we're getting a trailer for, so. Oh, okay. Well, I'm excited. Uh, Art, anything you've been watching this week you want to talk about? Uh, besides Hereditary and telling everybody to go see Hereditary, um, I did catch a couple of other ones in theaters. I want to say Ocean's 8 I caught in theaters, which I thought is is good fun. Yeah. Nothing special. I am one who, who like, when we had last week's episode about it, uh, I wish that they would give more bridesmaids, more original properties for women to take and not have to rely on, like, <laughs> George Clooney and mentioning him 
it, right. within the movie, but I still thought it was good. I am also of that where I will unbiasedly look at it and be like, it doesn't ruin the originals because why? The originals are still, still out there. Exactly. Yep. Um, but also it's at the same quality. Can we forget? Let's not forget what, what happened in 12 <laughs> and how oh, the original oceans are not the original oceans, but the, uh, Soderbergh trilogy, they do a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah, it's dumb yeah. fun. No, I mean, I I would say that only Ocean's Eleven is, is really a classic. Yeah. And that Ocean's Twelve and Thirteen just kind of have fun moments with celebrities. Yeah, they're fun. Fun That's dumb the moments. question I was going to ask you guys, because I love Ocean's Eleven, but I didn't really get into Twelve. I thought they were wasting a little bit of uh, time there. And then the, the, mm-hmm. thir- the third one, Thirteen, I was just like, okay, what's the point? But I love, yeah. I love Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. And uh, I, for me personally, I would put it, it 11, 13, 8, and then um, 12. But where just... would you rank the breakdancing through the laser scene? That's number one, though. <laughs> oh, do you like that scene? I kind of love that scene. Secretly. All right, then you're going to like a scene in Ocean's 8, my friend. Okay, cool, cool. All right, uh, I've been watching a couple things that popped up on Netflix. I saw the new movie Abiza with Jillian Jacobs, Phoebe uh, Robinson. What would you uh, think? So, look, I thought this was a little bit interesting in the sense that, you know, they kind of decided to make a movie where nothing goes bad. I, I, there is that, like, one kind of conflict that runs throughout the movie. But other than that, this is just, like, they go on vacation and enjoy their Bro. vacation. Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, there's all these moments where it feels like they're setting up for some, like, wacky hijinks. And then instead of getting wacky hijinks, we get, like, a scene in a club where everybody's dancing to EDM. Yeah. Which, like, I don't know. I mean, I got to admit that I found it to be pleasant. Like, I'm not taking anything away from it. Uh, you like Gillian Jacobs, that's why. I like Gillian yeah. Jacobs. That's I love her, too. But this movie does nothing, dude. Did it, you it not notice nothing. that there were so many moments where, like, you can clearly tell they told them, just get to this line right here. Yeah. The scene, you just need, whatever you talk about, just make sure that the final line is, we're going on a trip. Yeah. And then it just felt like they were ad-libbing. And not yeah. good ad-libbing, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and look, there's there's all these other things that, just in terms of filmmaking, it just kind of felt weird. Like, one of the first things that happens to them once they get to Spain is their friend gets like lobster red in the sun. Yeah. That's a classic like vacation yeah. comedy trope that she's going to, you know, be sunburned. It's going to hurt whenever whenever anybody touches her. Yeah. Never really comes up again. And she like know? fine the next scene. <laughs> yeah, she's fine the next scene. And it's just all these things that like didn't end up becoming threads. It, it was just a bunch of moments. I mean, I'm not going to I don't think this is a movie for everybody, but I do think if you are just looking for like girls trip fun or like people partying and there's a little bit of romance there too i think you you could find worse options out there i don't think this is a great movie by any means don't go out of your way for it mm-hmm. but if any part of the plot or cast appeals to you i think you'll enjoy it or watch yeah. cheetah girls too where they also go to spain you know Zach, <laughs> now that you said that you kind of remind me of like for for netflix there's two movies on there that recently came out and the premises are very, very similar, especially like the first half of the movie. Uh, one of them is Desolation, and the other one is uh, The Ritual. Because both of oh, them okay, involve the ritual, yeah. a party going to scatter the ashes of a loved Their one. friend, yeah. And then some you know, crazy shit start, starts happening in the woods. Yeah. Uh, both those movies have kind of the same premise. <laughs> the exact same thing. Much, thing. much better. But okay. Yeah, I enjoyed The Ritual. I haven't seen Desolation, though. 
it's uh, Desolation, one thing I did like, because there's only three characters in the whole movie, three or four, and you got this relationship between the mother and the son, and I think that's what kind of made, you know, it saved the movie. Their relationship really saved the movie because the the son was trying to get through to the mother that, hey, I'm a man, I can take care of myself, I know our father is or has gone, but you have to put some trust in me now. And the mother, as a mother would do, through the whole movie, she's constantly trying to shelter the son. So yeah. that was kind of the the nice character moments throughout. But then you got this 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 hiker that's just following them and stalking them throughout the movie, and that's where they kind of lost me because there was nothing interesting about this. This sounds like sounds like open house. Yeah. Ugh. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw out one more quick. What I've been watching, another Netflix recommendation. Uh, Ali Wong's new comedy special. She kind of burst onto the scene oh, yeah. two years ago with Baby Cobra. Uh, she's the a uh, woman who was super pregnant on her yeah. cover of her special and uh, was just running around stage with a lot of energy and is really, really funny. She was a writer on Fresh Off the Boat. She's on that show American Housewives now. Uh, she's an extremely funny stand-up comedian. I prefer the Baby Cobra special, but it, this is very much in the same vein. If you liked her comedy in that one, uh, there's more now. Hard Knock Wife, she's already had her first baby and she's very pregnant again in this one. Uh, so it's just... Funny to hear her perspective and her just being frank and open in a way that I feel is kind of rare to hear women talk about, uh, like sex and stuff that and, and, and mothering and that process just with like a gross frankness that mm -hmm. usually is reserved to male comedians. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to learn a little bit about motherhood, as I did, uh, and do it in a funny way, I would check out both of those Ali Wong specials. So uh, let's get into the yay or nays, talking about the latest happenings in the entertainment industry, starting with Quentin Tarantino continues to round out the cast for his upcoming summer of 1969 movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We already had discussed Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie in prominent roles, but the cast has expanded considerably, and it now includes Al Pacino, Burt Reynolds, Dakota Fanning, Emile Hirsch, Tarantino regulars Kurt Russell, Tim Roth, and Michael Madsen, as well as James Marsden in what many are suspecting might be the Charles Manson role. Art, let me start with you. Does Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sound like it has potential to be, let's say, top three Tarantino? I want to say yes. <laughs> potential. We're not saying it will be. I guess the way I'm answering it is from the perspective of it being 2018 and the internet that wasn't around when Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and all those movies were able to become number one in cult legends. Do you get what I mean? Right, right. So I think that we're at that point that even if it was, too many people are allowed to have opinions <laughs> that, uh, like, There'll even if it comes contrarian. in a I mean, look, hereditary. You know, one of the biggest things Ari Aster said was, I love that I'm getting all this hype, but I just know that that means that the moment the movie comes out, there's going to be even more backlash because it was hyped. Right. Um, personally, I think so. I like it when he's got, um, actually, no, let me take that back. I like it more when he's, when he's got a duo. Like, my favorite parts of Pulp Fiction is when it's, uh, um, what's some faces? Um, Jackson and Terry Tra uh, yeah. Travolta. Travolta, uh, Django. When it's the two of them, when it's uh, Django and uh, Dentist Man. <laughs> uh, those are my, I like when he's able to do duels. He does a fantastic job with an ensemble, no doubt about that. But for talking for me, 
Maybe not. Maybe top half for sure. Yeah. But I like it more when it, it's more I mean, personal. It's got less characters. I think it's hard to not be excited about this. Oh, yeah. So excited 1,000%. Yeah. I can't just give you the question like, does this sound good? No, uh, but, <laughs> you know, does it sound great? I think is a little bit more interesting. Lee, how do you, how do you feel? Well, uh, a couple things. I think more times than not, when you have like an ensemble cast like that, if you mm-hmm. don't have a good director or, you know, somebody like Tarantino, then you could be Falls you know, apart. looking at some trouble down the line. But because mm-hmm. it's Tarantino and how he knows how to handle actors uh, and the subject matter, I mean, I'm, I've am i always been fascinated about the, the Manson case. And yeah. it's, it's funny because we're actually going to be talking about old horror versus new horror. And I recently just watched uh, Rosemary's Baby again. Ah. Is around kind of the same case because mm-hmm. yeah, Polanski, you know, in the next year his wife gets murdered. So I've always been super fascinated about that case. So of course I'll be there day one. And the fact that Tarantino is directing it, icing on the cake. I mean, you're gonna have great dialogue, you're gonna have great characters, you're gonna have great production. So to me it's a home run and this potentially could be, for me anyway, like top three material. Awesome. Wait, did Polanski's wife die in the murders? Yeah, Sharon Tate was Polanski's wife. Very next year. There's like a curse. So she made... Go ahead. No, this man made Rosemary's Baby and then his wife died the next year? Yeah, that is correct. Oh, and you won't even go any further. Um, They filmed it in the Dakota, uh, and that is the same exact hotel where John Lennon, who wrote Helter Skelter, was killed. Helter Skelter being the song that inspired Manson to commit the murders. So there's like a curse of Rosemary's baby type deal, kind of like curse of poltergeist, but (laughs) yeah, it's really interesting. If you want to know more about that, let me just break in to tell you, check out Karina Longworth's podcast. Uh, You must remember this. She did like a 10 episode arc called Charles Manson's Hollywood, just talking about the ways that Charles Manson's life and sort of intertwined with dreams of Hollywood and different people in Hollywood. And it's, it's really, really just mind blowing. It's a really fascinating listen. Oh uh, yeah. I, I will definitely check that out. I love that type. So I love anything that's like conspiracy related. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah that's 1000%. <laughs> There's a little bit of a connection there. Yeah. I gotta say <laughs> that's wild. That's crazy. In a new interview, director Matthew Vaughn expressed his interest in returning not only to more Kingsman movies, but more kick-ass films as well. He told Entertainment Weekly, quote, I want to shake things up a little bit, the setting, and shift it, I wanted to shake up the setting a little bit, excuse me, and shifted the whole thing to New Mexico. The lead is a woman this time, a mother in her early 30s with two young kids. She's also a military vet. And he's expressed in doing a Hit Girl spinoff with Chloe Grace Moretz, a follow-up to last year's Kingsman sequel, and a spinoff about the Statesman from last year's Kingsman sequel. Lee, yay or nay, Matthew Vaughn needs to take these things one movie at a time. Well, there's where my nay lies. When you have that many properties all at once it's it can be a little bit confusing yeah Uh, a couple of those things i i am excited about like uh maybe pursuing you know a spinoff of the kingsman that could work um as far as kick-ass uh i love the first kick-ass the second one had some problems i liked jim carrey in that movie actually Mm -hmm. um but a spinoff with hit girl I, I like the if if you have Nick Cage in there, then I'm for that because mm-hmm. maybe show a little bit of her backstory with Nick Cage because he was irresistible in the first right. Kingsman. I mean that character. I mean he pretty much was mimicking Adam West, but yeah. still I, just, I loved him in the first Kickass, and maybe that's part of the problem that was missing for from the second the second one. His spirit was gone. I'm kind of on the fence. I'm in the middle. 
I, I think that in the first one, the novelty of Hit Girl was that she was so young. Right. That was also what was gone in the second one, but that's okay because they exchanged it for her being like, oh, look at how awkward it is. She's not a girl anymore. She's a teen, but she doesn't fit in. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the next one can be because we already got her in uh, the second Neighbors movie where she was already in college. So I feel like if anything, the Hit Girl thing should be when she's a little bit older. Maybe as a mom. Like, I don't know what the next step would be. If we've already done her as a kid, we've already done her, like, in high school. Uh, I feel like the next thing to cover about her would be when she's a little bit older. In terms of the Statesman, um, they made the, was it Scotch? Or Bourbon? Whatever it was. They made it seem really good. And I know that they actually partnered, just like the original Kingsman partnered with, like, some tailors. They actually partnered, I think it was with Forrester, Bourbon, Mm. or something like that. Sure. (laughs) I guess. Uh, Before Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical sensation Hamilton won 11 Tonys, the actor, rapper, songwriter was on Broadway with a musical he wrote called In the Heights about the lives of characters living in Washington Heights, Manhattan. The musical was most recently supposed to be released by the Weinstein Company, but in wake of the Harvey Weinstein scandal, Miranda regained the rights to the film and now is set to team up with Warner Brothers as well as Crazy Rich Asians director John Chu to release In the Heights in the summer of 2020. Art, yay or nay, Lin-Manuel's other Broadway show will be a hit with mainstream audiences. Yes. Have you listened to In the Heights at all? Yes. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. I haven't. I've seen, seen the whole thing. Yeah, I haven't seen the whole thing. I haven't seen Hamilton. I have seen In the Heights. Wait, you I saw In the Heights? Yeah, man. No, like like actually actually saw In the Heights. I saw Lin Manuel in In the Heights. <laughs> I don't think Art's so, ever been more jealous of me. <laughs> so Lee, you I know you celebrated your anniversary with your beautiful wife just recently, and I'm sure that as a relationship grows, you find out things about each other that you didn't know. <laughs> After 25 years? <laughs> what? I know you saw him. Why didn't you tell me this when I saw Hamilton in Chicago? No, yeah, I think I, it, I think it'll be great, especially by 2020. Um, specifically, what that story is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just going to make bodegas even right. more popular over there? I didn't even consider that it's going to be an election year. That might be Yeah, boy. Really, and really what's all that story about? Exactly. No, uh, I'm excited. That's, that's cool. I, I've been waiting for him to take more adaptations to the big screen. The story is really great. It's a lot of fun. It, the thing about it versus Hamilton, whereas Hamilton has that sort of like, you know, weird like... It's an old story, but feels very modern, which yeah. I don't know how that will adapt to film. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see a Hamilton on film. Don't get me wrong. Uh, in the Heights is going to work easily on film. It's a modern easily. day musical set in Washington Heights with an eclectic cast of characters. I think at one point J-Lo was interested in being involved with this. So uh, I think it's a, a really good move. I'm excited to see it. I think it'd be cool if they got Lin-Manuel in it. I, I, I feel like he can still fit into that uh, role of Usnavi. Easily. So. We'll see. Uh, HBO has officially ordered a Game of Thrones preview series co-created by Thrones creator George R. R. Martin and Kingsman screenwriter Jane Goldman. The show is set thousands of years mm. before the events depicted in the Game of Thrones series. So don't get excited about a Ned Stark cameo happening anytime soon. This is one of several Game of Thrones spin-offs that HBO had commissioned scripts for, which would lead you to believe that it's the version they had the most faith in. However, Lee, yay or nay, you're interested in a series that takes place thousands of years before what we know of as Game of Thrones. 
Uh, I'm going to say uh, yay with caution because I'm, I'm just curious, like, why would they uh, use this as the first property? Why not, you know, take advantage of maybe telling a little bit more of the story of Ned Stark while you have Sean Bean still at a relatively, you know, young age? Mm -hmm. uh, I think, to me, that's a no-brainer. So I'd still watch it, though, because I'm such an avid Game of Thrones fan. Uh, yeah. I think there's a lot more stories to tell there, but just... My big caution is why go a thousand years before? I mean, you have a lot of time to play with there, so why not play it safe and you know maybe tell the story of like Drogo or t uh, tell the story of uh, Ned Stark? I mean, I Ned Stark's one of my favorite characters. I He's dope. Things, so to me, Ned Stark would be amazing. Art. Well, I think that they're saving Aldrin Heinrich to do the uh, Ned Stark <laughs> solo film that they're going to be doing. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what I heard the pitch was was um, that the reason they're going a thousand years the way that the pitch says it is because it's a story you haven't heard the way that you thought it was. It's actually not how it is. Whether that's a lie, you know, oh, it's the untold story of Spider-Man. Get the right. heck out of here. It's the same story. I don't know if it's act they're actually going to do something new, and that would be really cool. It's sort of like, whoa, it changes up Game of Thrones for you. You know what I mean? That would yeah. be crazy. I don't know if that's the case. The only reason I'm okay with it being a thousand years is while I would love the fact that they actually have the actors in their prime right now still, you kind of, since all of that is recent, you can't play as much with it, you know what I mean? Because Ned Stark already has a backstory that's been established, so you can't do anything too crazy that makes you go, wait a minute, that wouldn't even make sense in the... Um... But HBO's got the money. I don't... Yeah. Uh, I, just, I just hope that it's good. More Game of Thrones. Well, this too, like, if you can... And I know it's a thousand years, but if you can somehow link that to what's yeah. been going on and then maybe even change things up, like, oh, that's a revelation right there that kind of right. changes everything that we know. Right? That would yeah, be I cool. I mean, this is getting a little bit into the, like nitty-gritty of the series so if you don't watch it you might not know what we're talking about but like maybe this is like about the creation of the ice king or something like yeah. that or uh what was it the what was it the peeps earth people or yeah and now they be they, they, they like create the white walkers and stuff like that yeah which is yeah. why i feel like we already got a little bit of that so i'm curious how they're going to expand on that or contradict what they've already kind of showed you know what i mean yeah i mean if, if they commissioned several scripts and this is the one they chose, I have some faith that there's going to be more, you know, there's a story there. They're keeping it very tightly under wraps as they do all Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah. But, uh, I, I enjoy spending time in that world, so hopefully they can make something that's somewhat, mm -hmm. somewhat as uh, expansive and in exciting as the current Game of Thrones series. Play the Telltale game, guys. If you guys haven't played the Telltale games, definitely ch check it out. You play it on your iPad. That It is very good. Yes. yes. Very and, good. And very much in the spirit of Game yeah. of Thrones. Right, Concerning uh, the White Walkers, though, I'm totally down for it because I think they did it perfectly throughout the series where you would only see just a little bit. Some some seasons you'd see like maybe one scene with the White Walkers. Yeah. You'd be like, that oh, a mystery. Me, please give me some more. And then you'd have to wait a whole year for the, for the next season. So, yeah, I mean, anything with the White Walkers, yeah, I want to I dive into that world. Do you think that'll ruin it for you, though? Because it sounds like you're liking the mystery, you know what I mean? It's like you're, it's like you're liking the mystery, give me some more, and then you kind of get too much, and then you go, oh. Yeah. Well, you, give me more, Ooh. give me something that I never dared even expect, you know? Don't okay. give me something that I'm like, yeah, I knew they were going to do that. they got to switch it up somehow. Switch it up, yeah. All right, so we're going to wrap up the RNA with a few rough cut stories and quickly hit a few topics, starting with Mr. Robot creator Sam Esmail putting together a film adaptation of American Radical, the book that told the true story of an undercover American Muslim police officer who joined a counter-terrorism unit after 9-11. 
and he's looking to enlist his Mr. Robot star, Rami Malek, Let's in go. the lead role. Art, yay or nay? 1, Intrigued 000. by the pairing. Yes, 1,000%. Jay, my watch Mr. Robot, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Rami I mean, Malek I... is one of the most interesting actors I've seen work. Yes, sir. <laughs> I loved Mr. Robot. Uh, both seasons. Uh, have they even finished season three yet? Yeah, they finished it re- somewhat well, recently. That's what I, I thought, like. okay, I've been meaning to jump on it. But, and he's going to be, you know, Freddie Mercury. So, But he's yes. just one of those actors that, you know, like if you watch Mr. Robot, he doesn't really, like, he, he does a lot with the silence. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. And his eyes. <laughs> he's a very, he's very I'm, watchable I'm actor. 100%. Yeah, he's a very watchable actor. He knows Sam Esmail well. They seem to have a great working partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them are... Uh, American Muslims, which you know adds to this story that they're they're coming at it with some experience, and you, you know I think a lot of people have talked about uh, the portrayal of Muslims in stories about terrorism. So I think it'll be interesting to get one where we have like Muslims on both sides, and mm-hmm. and it's from a perspective that that's treating it hopefully with empathy. I'm really excited to listen to this story. I was going to say that's, and you know it, it brings up a good point. That's a risky. Uh, you know, tale to, to tell on screen, especially in America. Yeah. As of terrorism and how touchy it is in America. And mm-hmm. you're going to have people that are on, you know, both sides of the argument. Right. So yeah, undoubtedly they will get somebody upset. So I know we always do this with the rough cuts. It's supposed to be quick, but let me add another point to this. Please. Have you guys heard about Quantico? The issue with Quantico it was trending not too long yeah, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Throw know? that in. Um, so the thing with Quantico was that, as you know, uh, I, I always forget her name. She's beautiful actress and she's an indian actress who came over here uh from what i know yes and she's over here and like her big breakout was quantico and like she supposedly owns it one of the most recent episodes was that they had an indian extremist who was a terrorist and the indian viewers went crazy and they're like this is a shame like they practically said uh chopra we brought you up we're the reason you're famous we supported you before you even broke over here into the mainstream how dare you represent us in that light mm-hmm. y'all watching sicario this summer right that don't <laughs> represent all mexicans but they do exist i thought it was kind of hypocritical that that quantico has had like two three seasons and they've been okay with every other people being extremists except when it came to their own I get that. And Lee brought up a great point. It, things get really iffy because you never know. Some people actually watch it. And I brought up my Sicario story where my buddy literally thinks all Mexicans are suspicious. Can't right. say buddy. I know a dude <laughs> who thinks all Mexicans are suspicious because man's watched traffic in Sicario. Yeah. But at the same time, you know what I mean? It's like they don't represent everyone. And, and to to be okay with with some extremes being covered but not when it comes close to your own. I don't know about that because y'all watching Sicario this 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 summer for a fact, and you should because it's a yeah. really good movie. I did catch Sicario too. So well, you I, know, yeah, our, our, and our like uh, current climate, how words can be, you know, every, everything's really touchy these days in yes. America, in America. Now imagine like in a third world country, it's still ten times more dangerous. What one thousand percent over there? You yeah, one thousand percent. Like you, if you say. How is your family? That's fine. But if you say, how is your wife? Wife? Why? Why do you want to know about that? So Yeah, there was, there was a great uh, quote. I think it, I had retweeted it. It was about uh, some people don't hear what you say. They feel or something. They're not, they're not hearing the words you're saying. They're feeling what they perceive your words to be. Exactly. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's always sensitive issues, uh, subjects around depiction of different races or religions and stuff like that. And, you know, ultimately, I feel like a lot of it comes down to the fact that 
television and movies in general are not representative of humanity, yeah. let alone any mm -hmm. specific race or person. You yep. know, uh, there's far too few shows about depressed people sitting in their underwear watching Netflix for it to be an accurate depiction of reality. Bojack! <laughs> uh, yeah, Bojack is the one. And, and like, I, I, don't, I don't say that to discount the people who have legitimate arguments to oh, make about sure the no. way that there are sometimes harmful representations. Yeah, propaganda. But yeah, like expecting TV and movies to be a perfect reflection of uh, real life is, is just never gonna work. We yes, yeah, movies are entertainment. Like a level content. Uh, three words: Is it marketable? That, that right. much it. And how attractive is my uh, my, my lead? You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. everything's got to grab a buck somehow. All right, we're going to move on from our rough cut story uh, to another rough cut. <laughs> We've previously covered Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, and Bill Hader all joining the cast of It Chapter 2, the sequel to last year's Horror yes. Smash Hit. Yes. Uh, the rest of the Losers Club has now been assembled, and that includes Tangerine actor James Ranzone as Eddie, as well as Old Spice spokesperson yeah, Isaiah Mustafa playing the older Mike Hanlon Lee, yay or nay, uh, you're excited to see these actors joining the It franchise. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I just recently watched the original for the first time, and the adult Ooh. section of the movie is the most cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking the, the, the list of actors that you know I'm hearing for this new one. And plus, I think sometimes you need uh, more of a modern version of a film because uh, of how dated things can be. And I think the, the original It is a perfect representation of that i think th this new one has the potential to be great hopefully mm -hmm. if they put a spider at the end of the movie it's not as cheesy or you know as the as the old <laughs> as the original. Yeah. Yeah. hopefully it's a little more enemy spider yeah <laughs> so I'm yeah on I'm, on, I'm on board 100 yeah great glow up for the boy too <laughs> to become the old spice man great glow up for him i'm excited yeah 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 i mean there's a bunch of really charismatic people, so I, I think they're in good shape for this upcoming sequel. Eddie Murphy has only made two films since 2012, but he's attached to Yo. a new Netflix biopic called Dolomite Is My Name, in which he'll play famous exploitation star Rudy Ray Moore, with Hustle and Flow's Craig Brewer directing and the writing team behind Ed Wood, Big Eyes, uh, and more penning the script. Art, yay or nay, you're ready for the return of Eddie Murphy. Yes, I hope that they play Eddie Murphy not like Adam Sandler, but they play Eddie Murphy like Adam Sandler Mayowitz, Mayer, Meyerowitz stories. The dramatic yes. Sandler. That's it. That's all I asked for. That's kind of been Eddie Murphy's bag a little more recently. The most recent film that he did was, I believe, called Mr. Church or something like that. And oh, it, yeah. The I'm mystical, not saying it's yeah. good, but it's, it's, again, he's like seeming to be a little more interested in getting some of that serious stuff out. You know, he got that Oscar nomination for Dreamgirls a few years ago, and it seems, yeah. it seems like he really wanted to win. Mm -hmm. uh, Lee, any thoughts? Well, Eddie, I mean, I grew up, um, you know, a big Eddie Murphy fan. Delirious. Mm -hmm. I could Delirious. Album verbatim. I've... I've listen to it so many times but eddie murphy's one of those actors to me that i'm always interested in like even when he's like out of the spotlight for five six years you're like what is eddie murphy doing right now for some reason yeah. why am i not here and also he doesn't do comedy anymore and he was at one That's time crazy. one of the greatest stand-up comedians bro raw dude mm -hmm. yeah that man i find that interesting i, I find that interesting yeah, he's definitely going through a very interesting phase where, like, he showed up at the SNL 40th reunion and didn't crack one joke. Like, uh, I, it's weird seeing one of the funniest stars uh, of history or whatever, you know, at least maybe the funniest star of the 80s. I feel like you can say that almost definitively. 
for sure. Uh, just not be funny anymore. And he's going to be funny in this. I'm assuming uh, black exploitation film is probably going to, or a black exploitation biopic is probably going to call for it. But mm-hmm. you know, I, he's too immense of a talent to just kind of forget about. I, I it's been weird not having him. I, I'd like to see him do really well in a role like this. Yep. Paddington director Paul King has been hired to direct a new young Willy Wonka movie for Warner Brothers. Over, and over the weekend, Collider revealed a short list of actors being considered for the role, including Donald Glover, Ryan Gosling, and Ezra Miller. Lee, yay or nay, you would want to see a Wonka Origins film with one of these three actors. Uh, I'm going an emphatic nay. I just, you know, Same. we already have the original. We already yeah. have a remake that I'm not the biggest fan of. I, I don't, you know, the biggest thing is I don't care. I don't want to know any more right. about Willy Wonka. I, I love the original. Gene Wilder was phenomenal in that role. And I, I just don't want to go back to that world. If I ever want to go back to that world, I'll throw in the original. It's just one of those cases where <laughs> yeah. I didn't really need the remake. I don't need a prequel. I want a Hershey's story. I don't care about anything else. Can I throw in a hypothetical? If we never got that Tim Burton remake, who would be the best one of those three guys, do you think? Ezra Miller. You think? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I I agree. Ezra Miller, for sure. I want a Baruch Assault spinoff movie, actually. (laughs) I I think the thing that I want to see most is the, like, Donald Glover Funny or Die version of this. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But not a real version. That's a great play. Yeah. A YouTube video of this is fantastic. A movie? A feature film? No. All right, so that does it for yay or nay. Let us know what you thought of all of those topics down in the comments below, and we'll make sure to read them, maybe to feature a couple on next week's show. Uh, but we move on to our topic of the week, and this week we got to get into the movie that has everybody shaking and crying, crying. and not feeling so good about themselves. It's Hereditary. Now, Hereditary is a hard movie not to spoil. There's a lot of really horrifying things that happen pretty much from the start of this movie. Uh, So we want to be able to discuss this in full detail. We mentioned that we liked it earlier in the show. If you haven't seen it yet and you don't want it spoiled, we got the episode description down in the uh, description below, and you can jump forward to a time code that will clear you of all spoilers. Keep listening to us, get our picks for the week, our new-to-see recommendations, and don't get Hereditary spoiled for you. Watch the movie, come back and watch with us. Uh, But... We're starting with the spoilers, so stick with us and hear our thoughts in just a second. Art, you saw this movie way back at Sundance and called it uh, one of the most horrifying things you've ever seen. You've talked about how you encourage people to get a baptism before Before and after. (laughs) Uh, Having seen it again now, what struck you? Uh, through getting to see Hereditary again. The artistry. Mm-hmm. First time I saw it, I saw it in like this rinky-dink, uh, I don't know what it would the equivalent be for you guys. In Chicago, it's the music box, that old theater that feels like it has demons and ghouls in it. Well, yeah. at Sundance, there's one. It's called the Tower Theater. That feels like there's dead people in there. Um, so I watched the movie. It was the second movie that I saw for this past year. Uh, the second uh, of the list. Um, loved it. Scared me. People were crying, people were praying, and then outside they were having interviews with one of the scariest cast members of the movie, which was Millie Shapiro. So I come out and I see her after not wanting to see her ever again, right. and uh, yeah, it just freaked me out. But I, I, I loved it. I, I, I kept uh, talking about it, that and Searching. Right now I am putting Searching as number one. I've officially seen both of them. Um, 
I personally uh, more more I guess attracted. Uh, I I like searching more, and that'll be again another discussion in August. Um, but seeing this one again, not as scary per se, but the beauty of the artistry in it. I think the first time that you see Mm -hmm. it, all the scares will be there. But once you know the scares, you're just waiting, and you're like, okay, now I get why it's taking so long to get to this point. Ain't wasting time. They're building characters. Mm -hmm. This is a family drama. You start noting the little. The birds that mean a lot more than you think. The beheadings that mean a lot more than you think. The symbols that some characters are wearing that if you were paying attention, you would have realized, oh, she's been manipulating this the whole time. Some really crazy stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah, Lee, any thoughts? Oh, yeah, a lot of thoughts. (laughs) Um, (laughs) First off, I've always been interested in these movies that cause physical reactions to people. You know, like The Exorcist. You hear those stories about people vomiting and running out of the theater. And it's just, it's funny you mentioned that because just today I heard a story in a forum where they were stating that somebody, for some reason, brought a 12 year old girl to see this movie. <laughs> and in the middle of the movie, she started crying. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, I need to get the hell out of here. Yeah, no duh. Yeah, but I've always been interested in horror movies that involve families. Yes. You know, when there's like this just this strife because I think every family has cracks. You know what I mean? Right. And a lot of times we don't see that at face value, but when you move the camera inside their house and you know, the outside people don't see what's going on, uh-huh. He's got those cracks. And this movie more than any other not alone horror movie, but just movie in general, really just dives I mean the camera dives deep into those cracks. That's what I love about it. And there are so many scenes in this movie with Tony Collette and uh, uh, Alex Wolf. Wolf, yeah. Yeah. That are just, like, I was just floored by how yeah. the acting, the, when Tony Collette is mourning for her daughter, mm-hmm. that was one of the realest scenes I've ever seen of somebody, like, you know, lamenting uh, a loved one. And yeah, and I was just, I, this movie requires a second viewing, I think, because you're so caught up in the emotions of it throughout. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you get to that third act, you're just like, oh, oh, wait, there's this massive twist, and I didn't even need this because I'm yep. still processing. Right. So it's one of those movies. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Art. It requires a second viewing. I think it's, it's amazing, though. Like, it, it, I mean, it's an A24 production. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about it, I think, is, is just wonderful. It's what you don't get in horror movies that often. Yeah. 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 I, I think I want to go back to that uh, mentioning the morning of uh, the daughter because. That is the thing that I think really uh, does kind of elevate this film uh, above most uh, horror films. In that Feels like a real it, death. And can yeah, we you give Tony Collette an Oscar right now, please? I said right. that back in G- <laughs> Yes! It's over! Yeah, it, the race ended! I think, you know, for me, the scariest thing that happens in this movie is the, the one thing that seems like it really could happen. And it's that moment in the car. You know, it's not, there's nothing supernatural about it. It's, it's a careless mistake. And uh, you mentioned Tony Collette, but Alex Wolf, that Alex, reaction when after he's it? sitting there in the, I, th- I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was amazing. You know, there's that whole, like, somebody in the theater next to me was like impatient trying to find out what exactly happened. But right. to me, it was a beautiful depiction of like, you, it's hard to face denial. that reality. It's denial. It, yeah, he can't. E- he can't even get himself to say the words to his parents to, to tell them what happened. Oh, that's and great. That is yeah, one think... scene. Before I even did this, I was like, if there's any scene from this movie that I want to talk about, it's that. Yeah, scene because he, you know, he his sister is killed, mm-hmm. and then 
it's like the camera just sits there right in front of us on him for what seems like forever. Ever, he it refuses could to believe go it. and like show the body or show, show yeah. something gruesome. And they do a oh, bit. They do much a bit. said everything. Yes, mm-hmm. and then he just goes home. And like Zach was saying, it's one of those things. And, and what makes it so scary is because you think of yourself being in that scenario. Like someone calls you and tells you some really bad news, but you won't process it. So you just continue cooking. You just right. continue cleaning. And that's kind of scary when you see that in the movie because usually it's a horror film. It's like, ah, Scream Queen. Mm-hmm. Next scene. But here it's like, oh, we're just going to stare at this guy's face as he literally believes but refuses to uh, uh, admit that his sister just died. Goes home, Trying goes to, to bed. It. Yeah. Goes to bed, and then we have to hear the groans of the mother smelling and finding out what actually happened. Yeah, and, and to me that's just infinitely more scary than... Uh, all the supernatural stuff that happens. Not to say the supernatural stuff isn't scary too. Yeah, just a little uh, bit. Yeah, I mean, as far uh, as filmmaking goes, I think this is a movie that needs to be studied because yes, you can, there's, yes, like, a, there's 10, 15, 20 different ways you can film a scene, uh, uh, how a situation plays out. And that particular scene, they could have filmed it the, tradi- the traditional way, but they chose to do something that most directors wouldn't do. They chose to just focus in on one person uh, you know, just show just a quick glimpse of what happened to the head, but yeah. just let the camera just sit there and let his face pretty much tell the whole story for like the next couple minutes. And yeah. I, I think that was the best way to uh, to film the scene. Mm-hmm. We also we don't talk about trailers too much, and I don't really want to talk Beautiful. about trailers too much. Uh, but it just we're in the trailer the age where trailers really matter, and I think that uh, the trailers so prominently featured Charlie. Yes, and that I she loved gets it. Ripped out of the films pretty quickly. I loved it. Was a very unexpected thing. Uh, so that uh, that worked really well for me. And then it starts to get into some of the more supernatural stuff, which I think it, it's really cleverly done in a way that it slight it builds and you see those like those reflections, those weird like spectral things that to to me were really effective in that. I think a lot of people, when they talk about seeing ghosts and stuff, they don't talk about seeing figures as much as they see weird lights and light patterns. Yeah. And uh, so it was cool to see to see a different looking uh, idea of the the afterlife or the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, those scenes with the uh, talking to the dead, how, did you find them as as tense and 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 just frightening as I did? What, what, how did they work for you? I've heard a couple of people say that they weren't scared at the movie. They were laughing at the movie. Yeah, I've heard some people reacting. Yeah, and I just go... Yeah, that's called your behavior. What, what is the thing called? That that's that's your that's what you do when you're actually scared. In my screening, the first time that I saw it, that was mm-hmm. a majority of what it was. was just <laughs> that's what it was, and that's what the characters do, where they're like right. scared, but at the same time they can't. That that was what I loved about the movie the first time that I saw it. They refuse to believe what they're actually experiencing. Yes. Be it in a super dramatic way with Alex Wolf, or be it when uh, the first seance happens or the second seance happens, where the dad they both do the same thing. They look first thing they do is look. I under love the that, table. I love that note that they both look under the table. So uh, that adds an element to it that before it goes off the rails, it's so grounded in realism. Mm-hmm. Before it goes off the rails, that it just things like that make you go. You know, we always talk about Geico commercials. You make fun of it. Where should we hide? Right. Why not next to the chainsaws? Why would you put yourself there? And that this movie goes. No, none of us refuse. We refuse to believe anything that's happening. But the movie sets it up right from the beginning. When you rewatch it again, um, like I said, you see that Joanne is there from the first therapy session, wearing that symbol on her ring. You notice when the not only the father gets the call, but he starts talking about that smell in the house, yeah. which you realize in the third act what it is. Um, it's wild. 
I'm curious to know, Lee. I was I was uh, really interested in Gabriel Byrne's character too because he's kind of this poor guy. father, this guy that's just picking up the pieces of all these things that just keep dropping on the floor. You know, just he's it's like he's not wanting to process what's going on as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that had something to do with his demise in the end. I feel like there's a worse version of the movie that centers on just his, his perspective. Yeah, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> Uh, freeze frame him when he's like uh, burning up. You're probably wondering how I got myself here. <laughs> yeah, it sucked for him the most. I felt the worst for him. I mean, Alex yeah. and then him. Alex and yeah. then him. Alex is the one who's like actively tortured throughout. Yeah, the film. Uh, and the worst part about it is there's a there's an interview with Ari Aster where he says uh, he actually gave himself PTSD while filming. I believe it. And I'm like, wow. Okay. They because a lot of the times he had to pretty much let himself go emotionally. Yes, and that's not an easy thing to do for an actor, especially no. when you got to do it over and over and over. Because I mean, there's quite a few scenes where he just breaks down, not yes. just once, but just constantly and literally. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine what he had to go through uh, by the end of it. Yeah, but uh, an interesting thing to tie back to uh, the topic about old horror is I know that Ari Aster, especially in some of the interviews that he had at Sundance, was talking about that some of his biggest influences were. Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. and uh, he had mentioned a couple of other ones that he grew up. One is The Cook, The Thief. The uh, lover, lover and His Wife? Yes, that one. Yeah. I've yet to see it, but that like I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this got that weird, uh, the, uh, the the children of the whatever, I don't know if you know, delicatessen, those type of, yeah, yeah. like it's just, nothing weird is really happening, it's just the environment of it. Unsettling. This movie gets that. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it goes with a bunch of other movies. I, I, I'm putting The Witch in there. I'm not one to say, this one stands the crop for me, right. without a doubt. But I'm not that person who just, ooh, got to get the clicks. So this is the next big one. And then yeah. something's going to come out in a month. No, no, no. I still pay respects to The Witch, <laughs> the movie. Uh, the, uh, the Duke for what it does, uh, it comes at night. Uh, this one is just the cream of the crop for me. Um, but all of these movies have been moving towards that all A24 movies, really. Yeah, well, Lee, let me, let, me, uh, let me ask you this. There's been a discussion going on in some horror communities about the idea of elevated horror, how these A24 releases, are kind of prestige releases that are shot really immaculately, are given this, this tag of being like more than a horror film or not, not just a Blumhouse. horror film. Do you think that is disrespectful to horror as a genre, or do you think there, that's necessary to say what this is in comparison to other horror films. Good question. I don't think it's disrespectful at all. I think you have different levels of horror. I think sometimes you want just that hack and slash movie. You know, it's like a cheeseburger. And then sometimes you want a highbrow horror film like Darling or something like that. Um, I am that guy that loves all types of horror. If If it causes me to have some kind of emotion, yeah, I love it. And I do crave like... Uh, really well produced, really well directed horror films. I mean, mm-hmm. the original Halloween is a very well directed film. It yes, just it is. to be a slasher film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there were a thousand other slasher films that came after it that are crap, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have movies like The Witch, which is one of my favorite movies of the last decade, and it is polarizing, you are, you are going to have an audience that does not like this movie, that hates this movie. I mm-hmm. love that aspect. I don't want a movie that everybody Good. everybody loves. Yes, it follows is a perfect example. I constantly yes. see splits right down the middle. Uh-huh. It follows. Yeah. I love it. You hate it. 
Yeah, I don't like it, but exactly. I love it. That's what a good one. Well, both of you are wrong, and that's okay because, you know, even even Peter walked with Jesus, and he, and he made mistakes. But the problem with it, and I agree with you, is that is that some of the best parts of movies is when they're split. It's okay for not for everyone not to love a movie. What they don't like about it is what you end up loving about it. Um, um, I, I kind of lean towards polarizing films, too, though. And yeah. I hate to bring this up, but Batman v Superman is a perfect example because it is. I'm one of those guys that I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And I get the problems that other people have with it. But I think when I saw that that movie was like 27% Absolutely. and it's a, such a big property, I was just like, it's an homage. More curious. It's an homage to Detective Comics 27, if you will. But I think but no, I, I agree there's with you. a lot in that movie. You grab what you want out of it. Yeah. I like what you I like what you said about the uh, the cheeseburger aspect because I've always said that too. Sometimes you you want a good Wolfgang Wolfgang Pang burger, and then sometimes yeah. you just want a McDouble. And I like how you, that's a great example of a good cheeseburger. It's just a fun horror comedy. I like mm-hmm. how you said that horror movies within an, uh, of itself. Some people just think that's a genre, but not realizing that it's still split within its own stuff in it as well. Every movie has it's like when people slum up, slum up animation. Yep. Right or you know faith based right. things. No, there's still different things As if within it. Bojack Horseman has anything to do with do Dora with, the Explorer uh, or Spirit. Yeah, no. Uh, and I love how you said about horror movies. Uh, you've been one to define that a lot recently. I I would say that the biggest thing I can find myself is with the rap genre. I'm infatuated. I love rap. Grew up with it. And knowing that there's a difference between lyrical rap and what's now known as mumble rap, or you know, like different things like that. For you, uh, as I watched your videos, is that you like have come up with those defining terms of slashers. And then I don't know what term you would give the A twenty four movies, but knowing that there's different, yeah, it's just like art house horror, slasher, yeah, yeah. evil possession movies. You know, if you break I'm it gonna, all down uh, into different, you know, subsets, subgenres, then, so, yeah. subgenres, then I think you can accept it a little bit more. And and to go even further with that, there's I think there's a misconception too that horror fans only like horror movies, when yes. in fact horror fans love all types of movies. They just yeah. like horror more. You know, that that's pretty exactly. much what it comes down yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. I love a good film, and I, it doesn't have to be horror at all. Uh, Nightcrawler is one of my favorite films. No, that's a horror film, I mean, bro. That's a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> it does have some strong horror elements. You could take that character in Nightcrawler and put him in a horror movie, and he'd fit right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And those, uh, those movies are the most interesting to me, actually. When you take a genre that's not necessarily horror, but throw some aspect of another genre in that movie and play mm-hmm. around with that, I love that. I'm going to throw out the the idea of atmospheric horror as a tag for these A24 movies because they so much rely on just like the, the, the air being tense and the slow camera movements and just everything feeling like you have to pay attention to each little bit of the frame because there might be something moving in the corner or, you know, you, there might be Tony Collette up in the ceiling. Yeah. I don't know if you guys Bang noticed this, but the- <laughs> when Alex Wolf is uh, smoking his bong out of the window, was there smoke coming from the other side of the screen too? <laughs> oh, I noticed that. I noticed that. I was too busy when he was doing the, what you can see as pretend or whatever, the fake choking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the A24 movies do a really great job of just capturing, like, an atmosphere and, and giving you this creepiness through the through the direction, through the art house style. I love, love, love the shot that this film starts on, that starts with framing the treehouse and yeah, boy. slowly moving over and moving into the miniatures, and then the miniature turns into the real room. The movies in the so miniatures? Yeah. It is so creepy. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, creative choices like that. There's like the kind of Casey Neistat-ish hard cut from day to night Those thing going on, yeah, which they do is with the creepy trees. and yeah. unsettling. 
Uh, so I, I just thought it was a very technically beautiful and well done uh, horror film. So I, that for me, you know, it's clearly it's clearly a step above just a run of the mill movie. Whether you want you want to use the term elevated to describe this as a horror movie, I don't know, but it is of the best in the genre. Mm-hmm. And it's polarizing because I've seen a lot yes. of people say I don't like yeah. Hereditary. I don't D. get it. D on Cinema Score. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. But you know, I think A twenty four has something to do with that too, because they're one of those few studios. They rate it. Do you know? Because one thing that people love about horror movies is they are about the unexpected. Yeah. There's always that shock and that scare. Not necessarily scary, even sometimes just something unexpected. A twenty four takes movies that aren't horror movies and gives you unexpected, like The Lobster. Right. You don't know what's going to happen from one scene to the next in The Lobster. True. Swiss Army Men. It's just very interesting, and I think that's the niche that A24 has for their studio. You're always going to get, like Swiss Army Men, you're always going to get something that is just really, really out there, out of left field, yep. out left yep. field just really interesting. Uh, Lee, let me throw another question at you. Considering we've got this slate of A24 horror movies, a lot of them are very polarizing, uh, but you're a person who's very familiar with the history of the horror genre from the slashers of the 80s to some of the more gore flicks of the late 90s, early 2000s. I want to ask you, has what we're scared of in movies changed? Uh, Have Mm. you noticed a a shift in the types of things that we're getting from our horror filmmakers to to, elicit these reactions? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think the short answer is yes, because A... Uh, audiences are really desensitized to things now. B, technology. Right. Just films are made differently now. I mean, we have digital filmmaking now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I recently have, you know, dived into like Jalo films. You know, I like discovering new things, even if it's not of this uh, day and age. Right. And I, I fell in love with a lot of these films in the Jalo genre. Like, what is that? Bay of Blood. Giallo is, uh, it's Italian films, most of them are like Dario Argento, but Mm -hmm. they're just very stylistic in nature, Uh, they're more expressionistic than, you know, like, just straight up in-your-face horror movies, they're more surprising. Mm -hmm. They create a mood. I always tell horror movies that are like true horror fans uh, that want to, you know, delve into other subgenres. I always say, try out Giallo films, because Uh there's a lot of stuff out there that it's the craft beer of the genre. It's the IPA of the genre. Right. That's interesting. Okay. Have really long titles too, like the the bird and the crystal plumage. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, 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 okay. But yeah, man, I'm telling you, there, there's a lot of very well made films, especially if you're you're dealing with Mario Bava, Dario Argento. Those two directors right there are a great place to start. And but yeah, back to Zach's question, you know, yeah, I think if you watch these movies now. They're not going to scare you, but I don't know. I, I guess it depends on the person because I find right. them more satisfying. I don't really get scared by movies anymore. I'm always right. just looking for a good story. I'm looking for something that's different, and I'm looking for maybe a little bit of a creep factor there. Mm-hmm. But it, it all comes down to the story, you know, horror, mm-hmm. whatever genre you're talking about. It always, it always comes down to the story. So... Yeah, and that's something that we've been talking about. You know, you, you said that Hereditary has stuck with you, and I think that's one of the reasons that uh, we're expecting this to remain uh, in the horror conversation for years to come, is it really does have a lasting effect, uh, the way that I think great horror movies really do get under your skin. Uh, but to, to answer my own question a little bit, 
I think uh, you touched on it a bit with the advancement in filmmaking we've seen. You, you mentioned earlier in the show uh, the, the earlier version of It, which is a lot cringier, a lot more silly to watch, and it doesn't have, it's not effectively scary. And a lot of that is that we have uh, these new technologies available to us, that CGI has gotten to a point where it can be somewhat believable, uh, that our filmmaking has evolved in a way where I think jump scares are increasingly getting weeded out of these horror movies. And that's like among the cheapest of the scares that I think, you know, has turned a lot of people off from the horror genre. So I'm really excited by a lot of these A24 movies that take things a little more slowly and just get, like you said, give you that creepy vibe and uh, just unsettle you. Yeah, I think A24 is a big reason why the horror genre is making a comeback because we went through quite a few years there where we're, we were just getting these run-of-the-mill movies that... Forgettable stuff. Some scares. And now, you know, with movies like The Witch... Mm-hmm. Yeah, A24's put out so many like uh, Green Room that's that's another great Ooh, well should yeah. we talk about should we talk about Blumhouse because Blumhouse is uh, if anything the the like counter to the A24 argument mm-hmm. that they're putting out all these uh, more cheaply made horror movies that are a little bit more uh, splashy and yeah. gory and have a hook to them but they're effective too and I think they're a lot better than similar films that we've seen yeah. uh, in, in previous years and sometimes so. you get to get out yeah, I was just going to say that it's a hodgepodge. You're going to get Get Out, and then right. you're going to get Truth or Dare, which is absolutely Love them, <laughs> love them at their worst. If you don't love them at their worst. They pump out a lot of, uh, a lot of content, do. too. So, you know, eventually you're going to get something that's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, some of the things that have been interesting to note in the horror genre as technology has evolved, the way that we're trying to... Uh, use it in our horror movies. I think Unfriended does a really interesting job of trying to get at the perils of online media or, or on, being online and social media, uh, but through the horror genre. That being said, you know we're still seeing a lot of horror movies that kind of are old-fashioned or look back or are literally period pieces, just because you know things like cell phones and stuff can take the tension air, uh, take the air bit, out of a yeah. lot of these movies. Um, I, I do wonder, I'm actually going to, I want to ask you another qu- uh, question just based on your experience, sure. Lee. Uh, are there good military set horror films? Because that's something, considering how many people in, in the past couple of generations have, you know, been part of the military and had that type of experience, uh, I'm a little more surprised there isn't somebody trying to adapt that kind of story into horror. Well, I mean, I, I, first off, just putting horror aside, uh, you know, I was in the military for 24 years, and the first thing that people think is that I love all military movies. And they couldn't be further from the truth because a lot of them are just really cliche. Yes. Uh, they try to, it's a template, really. You know, they put the, we're gung-ho, we're, we're going to fight for America. And I think they don't dig deep. Like Hurt Locker, I, there's a few ones that I love. Hurt Locker's a good one. Saving Private Ryan. Uh, but for the most part, I don't really, you know, gravitate towards military movies because I don't know. I they just don't jump out at me. And maybe because I was in the military for twenty four years, and mm-hmm. the last thing I want to see. Yeah, you're already familiar with the stories. Yeah, I'm familiar with the stories. But to answer your question, as far as like military and horror movies, the two that come to mind are like Aliens and uh, Dog Sick. Hey, yeah. Yeah, those Alien. two do have like a military aspect to them. They, mm-hmm. they don't depend on the military. They the story around the military is what makes it. 
And those right. two are great examples. And, and but those are ones that are, are not as recent releases. I'm I'm a little surprised. It'd be interesting to see something a little more recent kind of take that angle. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I'm sure I'm probably missing one or two in there, but yeah, those are the two that just jump out at me. You think is Jacob's Ladder military? You know, I have never seen Jacob's Ladder. Oh, really? I yeah. haven't. Uh, it's one that kind of slipped by me, but uh, I'm not sure to be honest. Yeah, I could, I could be misremembering it, but I feel like it is. Uh, anyway, to to wrap up some of our thoughts on Hereditary, uh, I think we're all in agreement that it is a really striking horror film. Uh, there's a lot of people that are calling this a masterpiece. Uh, Lee, I know you mentioned you have a very warm feeling towards The Witch. Art, I know you've got a lot of other A24 movies that you like. Where does Hereditary stack against the modern horror classics to both of you? Well, for me, it's uh, it's pretty damn high. Um, like I said, I'm still fresh from it because I've given it one watch, but it's right, one right. of those movies that I can't get out of my head. Like, and very few movies, eh. do, you know, very few movies do that to me. So usually that's a good sign if I if I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of scenes in this movie that, that just really jump out at me, especially mm-hmm. like like the one where the dad catches on fire. And yep, you know, there, there's questions that I still have about this movie, which I like. You know, I like that you could go out there and people have different opinions about certain scenes in this movie. To me, that's always a, a good sign. So time will tell. Um, my, If I'm being honest with you, my first viewing, um, I had some minor pacing issues. But Do you want to talk about talk about those at all? or? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, with this movie, the first half of it focused more on the family drama. Yeah. And then the second half... Then you started getting the really crazy out there type of stuff. Um, I think with my second and third viewing, maybe it'll all come together a little bit more for me. Um, I, I think I, there was more hills and valleys, and I was looking for kind of an ascension. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that with the first viewing. But still coming out of it, it's still like a solid four out of five for me. Yeah. And it's one that definitely requires a second viewing. So, Art, any thoughts? Five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> It's my top. I mean, yeah, no. I've, I'm actually recording I've, my review for Hereditary directly yeah. after I get done with this podcast, by the way. Oh, oh, great. So I'm glad we did this discussion because it's, you know. <laughs> Flesh out some thoughts. Right, right. Thoughts are spinning like crazy, so you guys did me a favor. Uh, I'm going to bring up one small qualm I have with the movie in that, uh, for me, I think a few horror movies do this. I feel like Paranormal Activity might have done a similar thing where one of the twists is that this is a demon that we haven't brought up for the first half of the movie. And that's for me a little bit of a letdown that, you know, that's something that's a little bit less hinted at than the rest. I, I don't think that makes it bad or anything. It's just like, Oh, I, I don't really care about King Paola or whatever his name is, but, uh, it's still kind of mentioned. Yeah. So I mean, that's one thing yeah. I did like about it was it wasn't an ambiguous when you get, ending. Which I, when you get your magnifying glass out. <laughs> so it kind of reminded me of The Ritual, if you've seen The Ritual, where that through that whole movie I thought the ending was going to be one thing, and then it turned out to be like very literal. And yeah, this was another right. one of those movies like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're explaining the whole thing. We're going there. We're yeah. going there, yeah. So I kind of like uh-huh. that about it. Yeah, I mean, I... I get that it's nice to have the full explanation of it. I think mm-hmm. for me, like it just makes it a little less self-contained. And you I wish I it was like more cohesive. Are... Yeah. 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 But again, 
I still thought this was a phenomenally made film. I'm, I'm with Lee. I'm somewhere around a four out of five uh, for this movie. So it, it's one of my favorites of the year, if not my favorite of the year so far. Ooh, what is your favorite? I mean, Annihilation's up there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, very Annihilation good. is my number two. And I'm going to be a, co- a total cliche. And I will say, though, I did not expect this. Infinity War was my number one. And that was the last movie that I expected uh-huh. to be my number one. It did things for a comic book movie that I did not expect. It went to different, especially for an MCU movie. You know, yeah. I expected a formula. And they really changed it up. So, can I say, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> You're good. They changed stuff up. So, yeah. Yeah. How many times did you see it in theaters? theaters? That last act in Annihilation just floored me. How many times did you see both in theaters? Annihilation. Uh, Infinity War twice. Uh, I just bought Annihilation, so I'm going to give that a second watch here pretty soon. All right, so we're going to get to our final segment of the week, the new to see, where we talk about what's new in theaters to streaming and on VOD, starting with what's new to streaming, because I need to get what's new in theaters up. June 14th on Netflix, Cutie and the Boxer and Marlin season one, a new uh, Marlon Wayans TV show. Then on June 15th, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus and The Ranch Part 5. This is without Danny Masterson. Uh, June 16th, In Bruges, probably the best Martin McDonough movie, as well as Grey's Anatomy season 14, land on Netflix. June 17th, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 5 is on Netflix. And uh, leaving Netflix on June 16th, worth noting, uh, unfortunately, uh, Anthony Bourdain's part, mm. Parts Unknown show is going to be off Netflix on June 16th. I know a lot of people have been catching up with that show recently. Also, Super, uh, the James Gunn movie, leaves Netflix on June 16th. So make sure you watch those soon if you've been meaning to. HBO Now on June 14th, Chips. Did anybody see Chips? No. <laughs> and on June 16th, The Mountain Between Us. Uh, did anybody see The Mountain Between Us? <laughs> did they? No, they you're talking them? about streaming, I will say I did just stream Itanya. Oh, oh, yeah, that all popped up on Hulu, I want to say. That, yeah, I wa- no, I watched it on uh, Vudu, actually. Oh, cool. I, I loved it. I thought I loved it. Actually, you know, because Tanya Harding was kind of a hated figure. Yes. Mm-hmm. She kind of faded into obscurity. Yeah. And I love that this movie maybe kind of showed you her side of things and made maybe even made you feel for her. Uh-huh. Yeah. So and very well acted by Margot Robbie. I mean ama- Yes. That court scene she's in the mirror and she's gotta go through like three different emotions. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. who yeah, yeah, yeah. It, she earned her money that day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Art and I uh talked about the movie a little bit. Oh we saw it together. It was in theaters. Yeah, we saw uh, it. Again, together. We saw it together, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I was in New uh, York that yeah. Yeah. So it, it we both were big fans of it as well. Well, I was around during that whole scandal. I mean, I had just come in the military a couple of years before. Yeah. This case, because you guys might have been too young to, know, to remember, but this case was all over the news. This was yeah, yeah. OJ. And Pre-OJ. <laughs> I turned on the news without seeing something about the Well, that's about one of the, the fun incident? things about the movie, too, is that it shows you uh, that OJ happens like right after it. Yeah, it does. But, uh, yeah, yeah, like I said... Most people today don't realize that this was just the landscape of America at the time. Yeah. yeah. They were even, you know, wanting to have this big showdown between Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. And so it's just so much hype. You know, the media, like, ran with this case big yeah. time. So you feel like your knowledge of it as a news sensation added to your enjoyment of it as the film? Oh, yeah. It was like opening up a treasure chest after 20 totally years. Totally. Finding all these other things that I never even, you know, considered. Yeah. 
yeah. Uh, doing some more str- doing some more streaming options. HBO, uh, sorry, a- Amazon, June fifteenth, Goliath season two. That's the uh, Billy Bob Thornton show. And June eighteenth, Suits season seven. Catch up on your Meghan Merkel or Lady, oh, yeah, 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 whatever yeah. her name is now. The- uh, <laughs> Hulu, June fifteenth. They're adding the second mother, which is a movie about a maid in Brazil, and I've it's seen this. a phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. film. Uh, I, I didn't know you saw it. And I was going to recommend it, but yeah, it, it's a great film. I would absolutely catch up with that if you have Hulu. New in theaters this weekend: The Incredibles Two, the long-awaited sequel to Brad Bird's The Incredibles, as well as films like Tag, Race Three, Superfly. And in limited release, Gotti, Loving Pablo, and Eating Animals. Any of those movies jump out to either of you guys? I know I'm seeing The Incredibles, too. Uh, No, but are we doing our recommendations of the week? Let's do that. (laughs) Yeah, let's go ahead and jump right into that. Yeah, so for me, it would be, if you're going out in theaters, I would definitely say, definitely go watch Won't You Be My Neighbor. I believe it's finally expanding. Yeah. Definitely catch that documentary if you can. I have yet to even see it. I've still missed it at Sundance. Ooh, I've missed it at the other festival. It's the first time I'm giving y'all a blind recommendation from what I'm aware of, but this, it's, there's all of it. All that I've heard about it growing. See the cardigan? You see the cardigan? honor of Mr. Rogers. Literally, I had bought this in honor of Mr. Rogers back in the day, uh, senior year of high school with my buddy. Um, that's what I would recommend if you're going out into theaters. If you're staying at home, you ain't even got to leave the site you're watching this on right now if you watch us on YouTube. Cobra Kai, no one told me this thing was good, boy. No one told me, no one told me this thing smacked. I loved it. I Is it fantastic? It yet, but I keep no. hearing great things. Bro, Do I have to watch Cobra Kai. It's good. <laughs> Everybody's recommending it, and I just wanted to skip it. You know, I'm. The, come on now, I am the definitive one. Ray, I am telling y'all gotta watch it. If you've been hearing another talk about Karate it. Kid, like the first two Karate Kids, that I love. Those, that's my childhood, yo. This movie takes that Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother theory about how he was actually the good one and Ralph Macchio was the bad one, and makes an entire series out of it, and it is fantastic, and it works. I loved it. I loved it. And that's amazing. So, yeah. Uh, Lee, do you have a pick for the week? Something that people can check out? Well, I mean, I want to highly promote uh, Hereditary, of course, uh, because you get exposure. And we've done that through this whole thing. But I will say, please, please go out and support Upgrade. Hey, the hell out of me. Lee Winnell did Mm -hmm. such a great job in that. Uh, I know it's a a premise that's been done quite a few times, but what, what it is, it's how it's done. And and so well. Yeah, there's some really creative cinematography uh, they're showing off in that movie. No? Like the choreography is just insane. Logan Marshall Green. I think Logan Marshall Green is one of the most underrated actors working today, and he looks a lot like Tom Hart. I mean, uh, yes, yeah, Tom he Hardy. Does. He's constantly being called discount Tom Hardy. <laughs> yes. It's time to give the guy his due. He, somebody needs to be discount Logan Marshall Green because he's yeah. fantastic. One day. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, uh, the Invitation, Prometheus. I love Logan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's in all those movies. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's great. All right. So, yeah, uh, Lee's picks are Hereditary and Upgrade, both in theaters now. I'm going to give you a pick uh, in theaters and then one that's on streaming. In theaters, uh, the documentary, another documentary, not just Won't We Be My Neighbor, that I've been trying to catch is um, the Notorious RGB documentary. Oh, that's a good one. 
Yeah, uh, Ruth, ba Ruth Bader, or RBG documentary. <laughs> uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. It's been getting a lot of great reviews. I'm very curious to check it out, and I think it's starting to expand a little bit to some more cities, mm -hmm. so maybe check if it's playing by you, but definitely playing by you, The Second Mother. Uh, if you've got Hulu, you can check this movie out. It's a really phenomenal family story about, uh, that talks about class and motherhood, and it's a story where this maid living in an upper-class family's home has her daughter visit her who, mm -hmm. and then finds that the daughter relates a little bit more to the family than they yeah. do to the mom. It's a very, very interesting film. Uh, so I would check that one out if you have Hulu. But that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on my Twitter, at Zshevich, or on Instagram, also at Zshevich, and check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show. Lee, let the people know where they can find more from you. Yeah, uh, pretty much all social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, is at Drumdums. You can find me there. And as well as uh, YouTube, just type in Drumdums in your search box, and uh, you will be led to my channel. So, And thank Sweet. you so much well, for having me, guys. I oh, man, it's uh, a you you total pleasure. <laughs> it was always fun having you here, man. Uh, we, we really enjoy this. We'll put the links in the description down below if you want to check out Lee's channel. Art, where will people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Of course, let me explain. You can definitely go yell at me over there if you don't like the jokes that I'm telling. Uh, <laughs> uh, and people have done that, not realizing that they, they, they didn't get the joke. And that was my original joke. Uh, yeah, definitely... Uh, you can check me out on all those things. Yell at me. Uh, I recommend movies. If, if, if you like them, then definitely let me know over there as well. But of course, every week you can catch me right here on the Intercut Podcast. Yes, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we run through the latest happenings in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. Uh, and also like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from both me and Art, as well as many of the guests we've had on the show. We'll be uh, pumping some of Lee's stuff through the Twitter account as well. But until next time, thanks again for tuning in. You know, this has been your first good one in a while. <laughs> Bro. <laughs>